Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 156 of the show. We're back for a midweek show this week. My name is Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. What's going on? Yeah, these ones are always a bit weird. They have a different vibe, as the match is just freshly finished yesterday, uh, as of the Sunday matches. So, um, And both our teams played and won in um, unconvincing fashions. To yeah. two different degrees. Um, so yeah, I guess the takes will be more hot and just more there'll be more um emotion behind them. I mean, we're still winning at this point, speaking for our teams, but overall all these matches were very low scoring. Only the Fulham Bournemouth game hit the over, so it was a real off week for a lot of teams. But um ten ten teams had clean cheats though, so yeah, it, it was a weird, weird week um, for a lot of teams. What was the record? Do you have our records for this week? Yeah. Um, good, right? it, Saturday slate started off really bad for for you, Evan. You were yeah. one and four on Saturday. Um, but you bounced back. Overall, you went four and six. Um, you, you managed that United-Newcastle draw. That was a big one for you. Yeah. Um, and then Zach and I both somehow went five and five. So overall... Um, you're 44 and 53, and then Zach and I are 50 and 47. Yeah. So coming up on that 100 game mark after this week, be a good telling sign about a third of the way through, I think, or not even. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, I think we're about a third of the way because no, I think be, last, a third, yeah. I think a to- we do a total of 380 games. I think that's what it normally comes out to. So we're, we're just about there. Um, Really surprised with how the records are at this point. But yeah, Zach already gave me his last night, so I don't have to ask for his when we get to the prediction portion. All right, cool. Um, Let's get into these games then. We had Brentford 2, Brighton 0. Brentford, surprising victory here. Um, This game was home for Brentford. Brighton outplayed them in pretty much every single way you could imagine, but... Ivan Tony, the man cannot be stopped, scored in the 27th, scored a penalty in the 64th. Um, for the Bs, seven shots total, 21 shots for Brighton, three shots on target for Brentford, seven shots on target for Brighton, and Brighton held 73% of the ball. Pretty much full strength for Brighton, pretty much full strength for the Bs as well. We got to see Onyeka in there. He's one of my favorite uh, midfielders to watch not necessarily a fantastic game but a really really good win for Brentford they are unbeaten in their last 10 league games played on a Friday they've won eight and drawn two so that's uh interesting stat I wish I would have had that uh before these guys buzz on Fridays I guess no pun intended bees, mm-hmm. but um yeah they looked good in this one to get a result against the Brighton team that's like been surging and Looks really good, even with the new manager, I think is is extremely uh, important for Brentford. Brentford now sitting uh, in ninth position on 13 points, just one point behind Brighton, who are in seventh on 14. Yeah, this was a big match for Ryan. Goal stood on his head after watching the highlights. He was absolutely flying everywhere to stay that clean sheet. Um, yeah, overall, good performance from Brentford, even though they didn't have a lot of the ball, which is to be expected against a Brighton team that that's their bread and butter, even after the manager change. We saw a bit of a formation change for, in a way for Brighton. They played more four in the back, like a four four two style um, with actual wingers with Trissard and March. Um, upset, Welbeck couldn't get one in the net. He still hasn't scored this season after... He's been more of a facilitator in a way for the other guys. Um, it was a big battle, though, and it was a weird one for Brighton there. Um, they're starting to slowly fall down with their with their form. This is about the time last year they did. They they started well their first seven six seven matches, and then things started going downhill. Um, now they're down in seventh, as you mentioned, and I think this is the prime time for them to keep going down in a way. I think they're in a bit of a lull. A lull period, and um, it was another game where Zach picked the wrong thing. So now he's zero and ten with Brentford, and they play Chelsea this week. And 
Um, it's a bad bode for, for Chelsea if Zach's going to pick Chelsea in that game. Um, not looking forward to that one on Wednesday. Definitely not. Okay. We had Leicester City versus Crystal Palace, nil-nil. Despite both teams uh, threatening at points, neither were able to get the ball to go into the net. 14 shots for the Foxes, just eight for Palace. One shot on target for Palace, five for Leicester City. Possession was split pretty much down the middle. I think Leicester moved the ball you know, slightly better. Um, but to be honest with you, it was uh, it was a relatively underwhelming performance from both sides. Edward wasn't able to continue his form. He's got two in the last two, now two in the last three. Um, nothing from Eze. Ah, he was back there on the right, and Zaha not been able to keep up that lightning hot form that he had at the beginning of the season. I don't think this is a terrible result for Leicester, considering Palace are a threatening team. But I do think that they would have wanted to walk away with three points. Um, I don't know. I was a little bit disappointed in Palace here. I think this was a good spot for them. They just weren't able to get it done. And I know for a fact that Leicester City, things are just so shaken up there. And they want Rodgers out. So this was a good spot and they weren't able to capitalize on it. I'm sure both teams were, were kind of upset walking away with a point. Yeah, it seems like they're giving him until the World Cup break to yeah. kind of rack up some points. Um, he's been there for quite a while now in relative terms to the modern day of uh, with managers. Um, Ten games in, only five points and 19th. That's for a club like Leicester over the past uh, five to six years since their, their title winning year. Uh, there's been a bit of a drop off there and I'm surprised they've stuck by him, but they definitely deserved the win here more so than Palace. They had more opportunities. Yeah. Um, Guaita was staying, standing on his head, just like Raya in the previous match we talked about. Um, but yeah, it was a nil-nil board draw. Palace definitely should be happy with the result, with their front man all struggling a bit. IU had the wrap on his head still from getting busted open in the previous game they had uh, last weekend. And um, Zaha, yeah, I, I, he's a bit bit of a ghost now. He's yeah. having limited chances. They only had one shot on target this game, listed under Edward. Um, Eze seems to be their number 10 going from the middle. He's He starts a lot of their play. Um, I think maybe they should start playing Elize more in the starting lineup, maybe putting Ayu on the bench. Ayu is more of a hard-nosed worker. I think Elize adds another bit of creativity, so they don't have to force it through Eze. But overall, yeah, I think a draw they should be happy with. Leicester, unfortunate they couldn't get the win. And uh, Danny Ward actually played a decent game in goal. It was his first big game for them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's shocking, to be honest with you, because he has been so, so bad. But I yeah. guess it's good to see him like sort of step into the role a little bit. We'll have to mm-hmm. see, because I'm sure he's, he'll he'll give us a couple more stinkers this season. Okay, let's jump into Wolves, Nottingham Forest. Another quiet game um, for Wolves. This one was at Molyneux, so it was a home game for them. Uh, Diego Costa getting the start. Adama Traore back in the starting lineup. He got subbed out, so did Costa. Uh, We had Ruben Neves, who's back. He was the one that scored the goal in this one, a penalty in the 56th. But other than that, it was uh, pretty quiet on the front. Ten shots for Nottingham Forest, nine for Wolves, two shots on target for both sides, and Wolves dominated the possession slightly, 58% possession. Um, I think Wolves look a lot better, a lot more organized with Ruben Neves back in the side. I don't think that is really a shock to anybody. He's a great player. He's kind of their talisman um, since uh, Raul Jimenez has sort of stepped out of the team because he's been injured and, you know, he stinks and all of that. Um but I will say this is not, you know, anything impressive to me. Wolves getting a solid three points here, but Nottingham Forest suck. If you remember, just a few weeks ago, they got absolutely battered by a Leicester team, who I think are even worse than Wolves. Uh, to get three points and get yourself out of the relegation zone is great for Wolves. This was kind of a relegation six pointer because Nottingham Forest are in twentieth as well. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't impressed. It, the only thing that I take away from this game is the fact that Neves is back. Uh, and you're going to be able to rely on him for a little bit more uh, stability in, in the middle of the park. So we'll have to see if they can sort of solve their striker issue, but they don't get enough production from the guys up front. 
that that's really been the issue. And it doesn't matter how well you defend if you can outscore a team on your mistakes. Uh, so Wolves are now in 17th on nine points, Nottingham Forest, uh, again, in 20th on five. Yeah, they're definitely struggling up front. That was the same issue last year and the year before. Um, positive note for their defense, uh, Nathan Collins is going to be coming back after his three-match suspension. So he'll be back with his partner in Kilman. Saw did save a penalty here from Brendan Johnson. I was still, like, when they had that penalty and I saw Johnson step up, I I just felt they had other guys that should be taking that with more experience rather than him um, having no prem experience up until this season. You got guys like Gibbs White and Dennis. I would feel more comfortable taking that up, that, that opportunity. Even Yates from the midfield. Uh-huh. Um, but it was a poor penalty. Saw saved it. And even the Wolves penalty, that was it wasn't from open play. Wolves still struggling to score from open play. Um, Kilman had an open header, hit off the post. Went right to Henderson. I thought Traore had a decent game. He had a lot of freedom out wide. They were not closing him down. Nobody seemed like they wanted to get near him. Um, understandable, because as soon as you grab him, you're going to slip because of the oil on his arms. Yeah. Um, but yeah, still, it, it wasn't a convincing win, as you mentioned. They're still sitting in that relegation area, and I, they've only scored four goals in 10 games, and they're pretty much on track to score max 30 goals, just like last year. And I just don't know if that's going to be enough with the team they have. Um, they're going to have to hope and pray every game they have is like a one nothing win. Yeah. I, I mean, I have no idea. Like, Wolves have to figure out the offensive instability, or, or I don't even know if instability is the word, but um, they just lack they lack conversion rate. And if you if you can't make anything out of the couple of chances you get per game you're you're just not going to be able to compete towards the top half of the table and i guess a wolves finish in in 14th or or 13th you know 10 is probably the top if they really get it strung together but i can't see that team doing that this year they they just lack firepower and it's not been good and i i don't really think it's going to get all that much better yeah, and they still need to find themselves a manager long yeah. term. Yeah, they do for sure. Because that, I mean, we talked about that with Lester. Like that sort of instability is just not—it's not good for a team to go on a run. You you need to feel comfortable and like you're going to be able to go out there and be confident in the game plan that your manager set forth for you. And that's that's definitely another issue that that we'll struggle with. Uh, okay, Fulham 2, Bournemouth 2. One of the only games that was entertaining, I thought, this weekend. Um, Dominic Solanke got the scoring off quick in the second. Issa Diop struck back in the 22nd. Jefferson Lerma added another before the halftime whistle in the 29th. And then Mitrovic sealed it all up in the 52nd with a penalty. Fulham sort of back to the way they were playing um, before Mitrovic disappeared a little bit and went out. 19 shots for them, 4 shots on target. Bournemouth with 10 shots, six of those on target, but Bournemouth only held 31% of the possession. I think Fulham were definitely the better team here. They were a little bit unlucky defensively, um, but they did concede those two goals to Bournemouth, who I just do not think are a good team. Um, Bournemouth getting goals from all over the place. Solanke, I kind of slandered a little bit a couple weeks ago. He's been better in the past two weeks. Uh, Philip Billing, another guy that they get a goal from every once in a or now and again. And then Jefferson Lerma, who is another guy that I kind of shit on. Um, he looked good in this one too. So I don't know, maybe Bournemouth aren't as bad as I thought they were. I think it's, it's great for them to get a point here, but uh, I do think Fulham are the better team. And I think they'll be somewhat satisfied uh, with taking a point after going down. Yeah. Bournemouth are built for that counterattack style. Um, we saw right at the beginning of the game, the first minute, they had a good link up play. Between the two front men, getting off, uh, getting off the start, off the mark well, and Fulham replying with Diop on the corner. Um, it was a battle back and forth, just little moments of, of, of loss of focus from Fulham, where where Bournemouth go up the other end, and the play always seems to start with Solanke. Um, they lose him, and that's when things unfold a bit. Um, pretty much every team, they're, they're losing sight of Solanke, and he's creating all these opportunities. All the other guys, they can't really get going, but he seems to be their talisman. And it keeps them in these games. They they get the lead and they try to lock it down in the back. And, and it seems like it's working for Gary O'Neill, who we talked about Wolves and 
Leicester potentially needing new managers and locking things down for the future. They're they're in an inter- interim coach right now with him, and they're still unbeaten with him. I think that's six or seven games now where they haven't lost a match yet with him. So something seems to be going right. It's been long overdue. Um, I think if he can keep this up until the break, he pretty much locks the job down for the year. Kind of how Giggs did with United. Um, he closed the second half of the year for them a while ago. But um, yeah, I mean, their, their goals are just to stay in the league, and they're doing a great job to do that right now. Just they they figured out their style. Um, Fulham got fake news with Mitrovic not being able to play the full match. They said they were just wrapping him up and putting him out there. He didn't train with the team all week. Uh, baller move. <laughs> he scores a goal. He wins a penalty. Yep. Sell, he sells it a bit with Lerma just falling on top of him. Um, and he put it away. I was a little unsure because he missed his other penalty earlier in the year against Wolves, I think. And he banged this one in. And after the goal, he just screamed in Neto's face like a crazy, the crazy Serbian he is. But yeah, you, you could tell the difference with him in this match to the previous two. They didn't. Just the 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 style they had and everything went through him. And even with five guys on him, he's still looking to shoot the ball. That's just the difference um, yeah. from him and Vinicius they have off the bench. So positive signs for both teams, I would say, going forward. Um, obviously, you're playing a team you got promoted with, so it's an ideal matchup for you to get three points. But um, it, I think it's it's good things for them going forward, showing they can compete and score a lot of goals. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's jump into Tottenham versus Everton. Tottenham 2, Everton 0. Harry Kane with a penalty in the 59th separated the two teams for the first time. Uh, Hoiberg added a goal in the 86th. Just a little bit of insurance and garbage time. Uh, I watched pretty much the entirety of this game. This was an ugly one. Um, but Kane able able to get the penalty, able to convert. Becoming a bit of a penalty merchant. I know he scored a lot of penalties. Uh, in the past, but there's a there's a couple this season that you just you know you look at the sheet and you're like oh yep Kane scored of course was a penalty. Um, Tottenham should always win this game against an Everton side that are playing like this. Offensively, they lack big time. Uh, Damari Gray has sort of cooled off a little bit. If you look at this team, the way they started, there's not really anybody else in there that you're expecting uh, an explosion of goals from. DCL on the bench. Um, Gordon suspended, so they had to like change right. style up a bit. Right. Um, and and when you look at this team, it's really it's down to Damari Gray. You know, maybe Iwobi gets involved, but for the most part, he's playing more of that holding mid role. It's not it's not something you expect from him. And when you then when you look at the way that Tottenham lined up with Richarlison, Son, and Kane up top, there's just so many threatening players. Uh, Perisic is great on the flanks. I think Doherty's added some stability in there. He looks good, uh, much better than he did last year. And then I'm a fan of Hoiberg, so it was nice to see him score as well. But uh, Everton, in my opinion, are exhibiting some really solid defensive play. They were able to keep Tottenham out for, for almost 60 minutes. I think that's that's fantastic. Once they let the first goal in, they, they sort of wilted a little bit. Um, but I do think this is a better Everton side than than people are, are giving them credit for. They're in 14th on 10 points. It's, it's not great, but if you think about the way that they were playing towards the end of last year, this is an improvement. Uh, they need to get They need to get a little bit more strength up top, which seems to be a recurring theme this week. Uh, and maybe it's just because teams didn't score, but I do think that that Everton are a decent side this year. Uh, they just need to bring somebody in that they can count on because Rondon and Iwobi and even Gordon to an extent, not necessarily going to be the uh, the stunners that you need up top to to compete in this league. Yeah, they like just I'm I'm agreeing with all those points going forward for them. They just lack that. Um that idea and get players minds to really attack first uh their midfield doesn't have that main guy going forward like a palace with Eze, um neves at wolves they like these guys that are good box of box players they they have a wobi and onana in those positions and they're not the most graceful on the ball they just pretty bog standard midfielders a has been a versatile player change and he's played wing back he's played outside mid he's now he's a center mid which is good to have in your team. And Onana is young. He's new to the league from Liga. 
He's a very tall guy, very, very physical, but he doesn't have the finesse on the ball that you want going forward from an attack in mid. Um, Mupai isn't your... He's coming in as the new number nine because DCL is just a, a broken man. And uh, Rondon is just there in case of a crisis. Um, so, yeah, I mean... I mean, they're not a bad team. This they they lost here and they lost United, and those were the first losses since August for them in the league. So they're having a stable season, stable season so far. Um, and it's tough going up against the Tottenham team, who had a lot of possession in this game, which is pretty pretty rare for them. They they usually give the other team the ball, but Everton were just sitting back in a bit, waiting for that counter to come and. Without Gordon as an outlet, everybody was just very focused on Gray, like he said. So, And those guys aren't going to be like 10 to 15 goal-scoring players. They're no. more of like maybe 4 to 7 in that range. So, And I think that'll be just enough for them to stay up. But because of their defense they've invested in is decent. I think Cody back there and Tarkovsky, the two new guys, are doing well. Um, we've seen that Michael Keane is just completely gone. He doesn't even play anymore. Um, they have injury problems with Holgate and Godfrey, which is unfortunate, but that was their depth there in that position. And, um, the other guys are filling in for now. So they have just enough to compete in every game. It wasn't good here with the penalty. It really set them back the first half. They did well, but things fell apart when when that penalty happened. So um, they have more favorable matchups going forward. Definitely better than Spurs and United. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's jump into Southampton 1, West Ham 1. Romain Perrault scored in the 20th, uh, 20th minute to draw <clears throat> to bring Southampton ahead. Declan Rice got one in the 64th to get West Ham back into it, but they were not able to convert again despite having a relatively sharp offensive performance, I thought. 25 shots total for West Ham. They were creating chances. Only four shots on target, though. Uh, 10 shots for Southampton, eight shots on target for them. For them. Uh, West Ham did have 61% of the possession really passed in circles around Southampton. I do think that they looked good. They've looked much better in recent weeks. Um, but they, they just weren't able to uh, to get it done here. They weren't able to get three points Southampton can be tough to break down, but I did, you know, I really thought that they looked vulnerable in this game. I'm I'm a little bit surprised that West Ham weren't able to get it done here. With Bowen, Skamaka, and Paqueta up top, Paqueta sort of playing left wing, which is not a position that he plays all the time. Um, I thought I thought they'd be able to really open the floodgates, and they weren't able to do that. Five in the back seems to be a better option for West Ham with Kufal and Emerson uh, on the right and left flanks. Cresswell's been good. I don't necessarily love Timo Kara or Johnson, but um, you know, you, you make do with what you have. I don't know. Do is it like I, I don't know what the answer is for West Ham because they have enough talent offensively. They just like they, they're not banging in goals at the rate that I know they can. If you remember last season, like the way that they played against Liverpool, the way that they played against some other big teams, and they were pretty much dominating the shit teams. Like they were they were going out at least at the beginning of the season, they were going out there and getting results, and they haven't done that this year. Um it's it's just not been great for for Moyes. This is a good a really good draw for for Hassenhuttle, who's been struggling. Uh and I know it was a home game for Southampton, but I, I still think that West Ham will probably feel a little bit hard done by. I thought that that they'd be better in this one. They're in 12th on 11 points, and Southampton are in 18th on 8. There's some congestion there, but I do think West Ham are a much better team than Southampton this year, and this is a bit of a disappointing result for them. Yeah, I think they're they're going on the right path. I think going down first was an issue for them in the 20th. Um, It kind of dropped their heads a bit going into the half, 1-0 down against a team that they know they should be beating. I think that might have weighed on their minds a bit. Um, they just kept going and going. In the second half, it was all them. Wow, Southampton completely just packed it in. Bizzuni was flying all over the place in goal for them. Um, they yeah, switched to good. a back. Yeah, I'm he one of those good. Man City products. It seems like Southampton's accepting all youth talent from all these clubs. And they're going to slowly mold them into good players. And two years from now, they'll be sold on for probably double the price they bought them for. So that's just what kind of club Southampton is. To keep them afloat and keep them in the top flight as long as they can. They've done a good job so far. Um, 
they went for a more 4-3-3 type of formation here. It was their first point uh, in five matches after a four-game losing streak, and they still haven't won a match since the end of August when they upset Chelsea there. Um, so, yeah, things haven't been the same for them. They have a lot of youngsters off the bench who can't really offer too much of a difference for them. And uh, the guys they start with up front uh, just can't seem to create those type of opportunities for them to score off of. We saw last year where Prowse had a lot of great set-piece moments, whether it was him scoring directly or setting other guys up. And a lot of that credit went to Broya, who's now with Chelsea full-time. Yeah. They couldn't get they couldn't get him back, so now they have to rely on Che Adams and Joe Rebo to do the job, and they're just not those type of players. So uh, the West Ham side, the, you mentioned they dominate teams, and that just comes to them being the more physical team. They're a very stocky sort of team. Their midfield is very strong in Rice and Suchek, one of the most um, consistent pairings in the league. Yeah. Um, Rice gets another goal here. Um, great to see from him. And yeah, I think I don't, I don't think they need to be worried too much. I think they need to be the team to score first so they can control the tempo of the game more. We know that they control the possession a lot more than a lot of other teams. And it seems like Emerson is slowly filling into that left wing back role. Yeah. Um, now that Aaron Cresswell's a bit older and doesn't have the legs potentially to do that job as much, they bring in. A guy like Emerson, who has a lot of top experience with a lot of the top teams in Europe and a lot of Champions League experience as well, and he does a great job there. Um, and he played all last season with Paqueta there in Lyon, so they already have that chemistry going for them. So I think they could be happy there. Skamaka is slowly filling into that full starting role. Antonio's coming on as a sub now, yeah, which which is hard to see. Um, I know you're a big Antonio guy. Yeah, yep. But he he's slowly learning his new role, and I think as long as they're winning, I don't think he'll care. So I think I think West Ham should be happy. Southampton uh, need to. I don't know. There's a lot of lot of things up in the air for them. They just need to maybe bring in one more guy with a little bit more experience for them. Yeah. Okay. Let's jump into the Snorfest uh, up north. Manchester United taking on Newcastle at Old Trafford. United have been solid at home this year. Uh, but we're unable to get the job done against a budding Newcastle team. Callum Wilson in the starting lineup. Bruno playing behind him. Almiron and Jacob Murphy on the right and left, respectively. Jolinton and Longstaff in the middle of the pitch, and then the same defense they've been using. Luke Shaw getting a start in this one with Bruno behind him. Cristiano Ronaldo with the start. I didn't start him in fantasy because I just have absolutely zero belief in him whatsoever now. Um, it's unfortunate that that United lost Martial last week. Uh, we saw Rashford come off the bench here. They have Sancho and Anthony on the flanks. Those guys can get the job done for sure, especially Anthony. But they weren't able to get it done here. In terms of statistics, 15 shots for United, 9 for Newcastle, 2 shots on target for both sides. And then United had a lion's share of the possession with 63%. They moved the ball around pretty well. But when you look at this front Four, essentially, you would imagine that Ronaldo, Anthony, Sancho, and Fernandez would be able to move the ball around well enough or at least exhibit uh, some sort of skill with the ball at their feet, or at least enough of it to defeat Sven Botman and Fabian Schaar. But um, Newcastle held strong. They they look solid defensively, the middle of the pitch. They, they do enough. And then up top, they have guys that can threaten. And I think this is a great result for Newcastle, to be honest with you. United were definitely looking to pick up three points here. Uh, they're in fifth. They would have been able to draw close to Chelsea, just be a point behind them if they got all three points. Newcastle right behind them in, in, in sixth position on 15 points. So I don't know. This was a little bit disappointing for United. I do think that they've all bought into Ten Hag's system, which I didn't really see happening this quickly. Uh, if you remember, I was I was really going pretty hard against United a couple weeks ago, um, but nice. they they look better, you know. They they look better than they did at the beginning of the season, which isn't saying much. But they're <laughs> believe it or not, they're three points ahead of Liverpool, who I thought would be in second position this year. So um, I don't know. I guess it's okay to take a point, but I was expecting a win. 
Do you still stand by your claim that you think United's going to finish in ninth? Uh, probably <laughs> not. Probably not ninth. But who knows, dude? Look at the congestion. Look yeah. At, look at, I think Arsenal, City, Tottenham, and Chelsea have been, and of course they're in the top four. Like This isn't a shocking claim or anything, but they have been the four teams that I think look most put together and most impressive. Chelsea aren't even firing at, at full clip yet. Like they will get there. I'm not worried about it. They fired Tuchel. I think they're they've been better offensively. United I still worry because they don't they don't really get as many goals from that front three or four that that they should. Like they need to be scoring way more than than zero against Newcastle. You have to get out ahead of it when you have that many talented players up there. And Chelsea get goals from all over the place, and they've sort of got a band of misfits, and they're playing better. So, I don't know. I don't think ninth, but I I could see them finishing seventh, you know? I mean, from what I saw, if we're only looking at this game and blocking out all the other games, like, United play two different ways, with Ronaldo and without Ronaldo. When Ronaldo's in there, it seems like Bruno in the final third is only looking for him. There was an opportunity where they won the ball in the attacking third, and Sancho was clear in the middle in front of the two defenders in on a break, and he still played Ronaldo out on the left, and he got bodied by Trippier. Like, he force-feeds Ronaldo. I don't understand. It's like, I don't know. I don't know whether he's forcing them to pass him the ball or something. I don't know what it is, but they play so much better when he's not in there. Yeah, I know. He he's just a he's a cancer. He's a bit of a cancer. Not a bit. He's a big time cancer. And I I think they'd be better off starting Rashford up there. It, it's it's that the, simple. Yeah, this was the first time I think Sanchez played a full ninety in the league. I was surprised. I thought they were gonna swap Rashford for Sancho and keep Ronaldo in there, but that that last like um, what was it last twenty minutes with Rashford in there up top? They they had a lot more opportunities to score, and it seemed like Anthony had a lot more of the, of the ball when Rashford was in there too. So, um, yeah, Newcastle side they were defensively solid. Um, couldn't really break United down. To be fair to United, Delo for me has been their best player in the back all season. That guy's been crazy going forward and locking guys down defensively. Um, gets in the book a lot. Um, Casemiro's challenge for his yellow, I thought you could argue could be a red. Um, he almost broke Frazier in half. Um, it was insane. N- Surprised not a lot of people thought that, listening to the commentary and Twitter and that. But yeah, I, like you said, Newcastle aren't even at full power up front. They still have St. Max, who unfortunately has another setback with his injury recovery. Yeah. I think he's set to miss the next two to three matches as well. So more Jacob Murphy for us. Um, who had a pretty decent game here. Um, Almiron as well. Isak is slowly coming back. We still are waiting on Lord Voldemort in the midfield to take over for Longstaff. Um, I think positive signs going forward for Newcastle. And it seems like every Newcastle game I watch, Trippier is always their best player. He's always the man of the match for them, which is something to say, especially at right back, um, how influential he is. And yeah, I think a draw here is fair for both sides. Uh, okay, let's jump into the next one. Uh, where are we at? Oh, Leeds United nil, Arsenal one. Bukayo Saka goal in the 35th was the difference in this one. 16 shots for Leeds, nine shots for Arsenal, four shots on target for both teams, and then Arsenal just had a little bit more possession. Um, but this was a this was a pretty even affair. I I thought that Arsenal would come out and and sort of batter uh, Leeds, but they had a couple of really good chances. Uh, Bamford kind of fucked it; he missed a penalty. Um, that's a that's a big loss. That's a that's a tough one because if they could have got a point against Arsenal, at least a point, they that would have been huge. It would have been huge for the other teams that are sort of up there with Arsenal, but it would have been really big for Leeds. Uh, they would have drawn themselves level with Palace and Everton in terms of points. I don't know, man. I I worry about Leeds and their, their offensive capability. It, it wasn't a great showing from them, but defensively, they looked really good. Uh, Cooper and Coke back there with Strook and, and Neeson. 
Uh, both they all looked really good. I think Adams was solid again. He's he's been really good for them. It, quiet in terms of stats, not a lot of goals, not a lot of contributions, but he's playing defensive mid. I don't really think you can expect anything like that. He's been a great sub in there for um, what's his name, the guy that's sitting on City's bench, Calvin Phillips, um, and yeah. then Sinistera, Rodrigo, and Harrison, and Aronson too. Those are guys that really should be getting on the score sheet, and they, they weren't able to do so in this game. So Saka continuing his red-hot form. Jesus got the start here despite being, you know, a little bit overworked. He probably needed to rest. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. It, it's good to get a clean sheet here, especially with uh, the fact that we didn't play all that well defensively, and I'm glad to see Tomiyasu back. But uh, big big game for Ramsdale here. And a good grindy result. If this is how we have to do it after getting a little bit congested in terms of fixtures, then I'm totally fine with it as long as we get the three points. Yeah, the fact Leeds didn't get a point in this game is insane. Um, This is definitely like the second most intense game of the weekend. The power went out in the third minute. They had to postpone it for a second. And then they were 30 minutes behind the other games. And then when it did come back, Arsenal got that. Um, early goal, great play. Uh, the, the way that play started, Rodrigo played a full field switch, first touch, and just it seemed like he had no idea where he was kicking the ball. And then the interception happened, and then the play, just one second to the other, just boom, boom. Odegaard is Saka and Saka over Meslier, and that was the winner. Yep. Unfortunate mistake there. Really set them back going into the half. And when they came out in that second half, Leeds, it was all Leeds from there on. Um, they were on top of Arsenal all the way it seemed like arsenal couldn't even get it out and then the penalty happened and when banford stood on that ball i was like oh my god if he made that i would have won my fantasy week but still like he's so out of form he needed that goal so bad for him and his confidence and i still would have given the ball to harrison like just give it to somebody like that's not this isn't the game for you to take this maybe against like crystal palace or something but like not this one like we need this goal and he hit it wide, and Ramsdale afterwards absolutely just screamed in his ear. I was telling Zach, like, he probably told him, you're never making the England team or something, but obviously he didn't still. But he is just absolutely down bad. He's been so bad. And even again in the 92nd minute, he shoves Saliba over, Saliba reacts, ref didn't see the initial contact, gives Saliba a red. Would have been another penalty. If they would have given that to Bamford again, I would have turned the TV off. Um, But obviously, VAR came into Arsenal's favor, and um, they won the match. So, squeaky bum time there for Arsenal. Got the job done defensively. They stood solid. Um, The subs that Arteta made were defensively strong there. Tierney and Holding coming in. They went went to a back three at a point there with the wingbacks. Really locking it down. Shows the quality leads have in these big games against the big teams. We mentioned the win against Chelsea. Yep. Um, and yeah, I mean, leads, leads are no slouch, especially when they're at full strength. Um, I couldn't imagine if Bamford was informed where they'd be now on the table, but it is what, it is, what it is. Sinistera had a nice game after his suspension. Um, really opened things up out there, taking on White and then uh, Tommy Ossie when he switched over. So yeah, I think leads shouldn't be too upset. Obviously, they won the point, but still, it just shows the the type of team they are where they're sitting 15th now, and they definitely can be climbing up a bit of the way come the end of the year. Yeah. Okay, let's jump into Aston Villa nil, Chelsea 2. Mason Mount, back or not back? Thoughts? I think he's totally back. I've never seen a more undeserving 2-0 win in my <laughs> life. Yeah, it was, um, not, it was not pretty, but it counts. The possession stats say Chelsea had the ball 59% of the time. It seems like we had the ball 30% of the time from what I watched. Um, that first goal is inexcusable. The Just a header clearance from Mings that went backwards. And the fact that Mount was ready to go on that was quality from him. Uh, he definitely is back in a way. And then uh, the free kick, Martinez was caught cheating a bit, and Mount just straight over the wall up and down, down the middle. I still don't think Martinez would save that, even if his, he was in the right spot, just the, the movement of that ball. Um, but yeah, I agree, Mount is back. Somebody that needs to leave is Aubameyang, or he needs to take like a week off or something. Just I think he touched the ball maybe two times in the game, and 
I think both times were in our half. What a terrible fucking performance. It was um, bad. He scored in just about every other game, and the one game I decide to have faith in him, he absolutely doesn't show up. Yeah, he shit the bed, for sure. Um, even Sterling. Sterling didn't have a good game, hit the crossbar. Havertz, no, no shots on target. Um, this lineup I wasn't even confident in, really. Um, I mean, wingback Sterling, not not ideal. No, I mean, the, <laughs> the first time he did it, it worked out, but I think he needs to be higher up the pitch. For sure. If he's a, if he's a right wing, maybe it works, but we play with these inverted forwards now. I'm not sure. Potter is more more open to switching things up. He did switch the formation in the second half. He made two changes at the half with with uh, Koulibaly and Cesar coming on. More defensive changes. He took Havertz and Cucurella off, so went to like a four back there. And... I mean, we made four subs before the 65th minute there. Um, so it shows the the mind Potter had. He knew he had to make changes. It wasn't like, all right, we're just going to let it play out. And if he did, I'm sure the result would have been different. But Kepa had the best game I've ever seen him have. Um, I think he made at least eight saves in this game, minimum. Um, the guy absolutely stood on his head. It was incredible. Um, it's going to be hard for Mendy to get his job back. We saw Potter do this when he took over Brighton. Matt Ryan was the starter. And then we saw Sanchez get the nod. And they sold they sold Matt Ryan after that season. So I don't know what they're going to do with Mendy. I definitely like Mendy more than Keppa, But if Keppa can do performances like this every week, I'm not going to have a problem transitioning. So, yeah, I think it's sad for Villa here, especially with the pressure Gerard's under. From management, they said it during the during the broadcast that Villa's board um, allocated for a top eight finish with the wages. They're eighth in the league wages under with their players, so that's saying a lot. And they're not getting the performances for a team with spending that much money on their players. So, yeah, uh, I don't really know where they can change. They don't really have a lot of dynamic guys going forward that they can mix and, mix and match. This is definitely one of their better performances they've had going forward with Ings. Ings should have scored, but Kepa obviously was there. Kepa and, was uh, a demon in this game. Yeah, he had so many opportunities. Um, Ramsey had a pair of chances. We saw Bailey hit the crossbar and a header. Watkins was an influence on the left wing. I mean, I don't really know. I think Gerard set up the teams for success this game. It was just two blips. Two yeah. blips where... It just went went away from them, and that's how the Premier League can be at times. It's just cruel and moments of quality, moments of quality from players that are always ready to strike. And Mason Mount is that guy right now. Yeah, uh, he's been a little bit underwhelming for me for a majority of the season, but this was a this was a really really good performance from him. That knuckleball free kick was just sublime. Um, it was great here. My question, or not my question, but my my. What I would ask of Graham Potter is to uh, please play Dennis Zakaria. He's really good, and I don't know why he's just like not ever in the team or getting any sort of run. I, I don't know if he sucks in training or if Potter and him don't get along or if he didn't get along with Tuchel or what, but I, I would like to see him at least step onto the pitch. He's good. He can play in the role that, that Loftus-Cheek plays in. He can really can play in the Kovacic role too. Um, I don't know this. This team is like mega weird. It, it's really strange. So yeah. uh, we'll see. Like, I don't think he's gonna get a look. I think they're just gonna cancel that loan come January. Well, that's fine. Then he he's good. He's a really good player. He was really good in Germany. Like, yeah. I enjoy watched. I enjoyed watching him for Mönchengladbach. He he was solid. So, uh, did you did you mention Reese James? I may have missed it. No, he's, I didn't. Okay, yeah, well, his injuries fear to be worse than initially uh, discovered, and yeah. he's probably going to miss the World Cup now. That's the word. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, that opens the door for guys like Trent and um, Kyle Walker to get more time with the team. Um, yeah, it's a major setback. We saw this last year with Chilwell. When he got hurt, he was out for several months, and it hurt him on international duty as well. So... Um, hopefully a speedy recovery for him. You never want to see this to one of your star players. And hopefully he comes back f bigger and stronger in, um, after the world cup, I'd say. 
Yeah. Um, okay, let's jump into the final game quick, and then we'll get to our um, preview for the weekend, or midweek games, rather. Liverpool 1, Manchester City 0. A Mo Salah goal in the 76th and a disallowed goal for City uh, was really the only action that we had in this one. Great goal from Mo in a big spot. Liverpool in 8th on 13 points now. A gigantic 3 points for them. And a gigantic 3 points for me because Arsenal are now 4 points clear at the top of the table. Man, disappointing from Holland. It seems like Liverpool is his bogey team. I don't know. This this is Seven Bournemouth. People are talking. People are talking. Um I don't think you can say anything bad about him. The no, guy you can't. Got, you can't. But it's a, the striker role is like one of the most inconsistent. Yeah, positions it's feast in or famine. Game. And it's yeah. really feast or famine for him. And it's been a majority of feasts, about eight weeks of feasting in a row. Uh, I'm I'm just kidding. People obviously aren't talking. Well, the pundits probably <laughs> are because you know they they, they, wanna, they need to talk about something. They want to use these games as talking points, of course. But um, it was good to see Salah get on the board here. He played lone striker. He played centrally. This is what I've been asking for. This is exactly what they need to do. Firmino played behind him. He looked good. Jota looked okay. He got a card and got subbed out. Same with Elliot. And then Fabinho in the center of the park alongside uh, Thiago. This is how they have to do it because Fabinho covers the slot. Uh, you know, that, that defensive midfield role, he's, he's a good defender. He's, he adds stability. And then when you have Gomez and Van Dyke, who haven't, either of them haven't been playing very well. Um, it's, it's much easier for, for Fabinho to cover them, you know, than it would be if they were playing Hendo or somebody else in the middle of the park. So I think that's a good change. That was, that was good by Klopp. Um, they're a little bit lucky to get three points. They probably should have got one or maybe none. Uh, but Milner at right back, he played like shit, but what do you know, dude, no Trent in the team and they win a game against the best, pretty much the best team in the league. I don't think it's a coincidence. At least on assist. Yeah. Um, that was crazy how quick that happened. A little that spin move awesome. from Salah. Uh, it sealed the deal. Um, I was surprised City only made one change. They only subbed in Alvarez for Gunuan. They're only attacking change i would have liked to see mares in this game i think he would definitely have made an impact especially if he's going at milner um but yeah it wasn't meant to be no no invincible run this year for any team arsenal's record is still intact for another season um yeah the formation change was good this definitely wasn't in pep lender's book um with firmino in at that 10 jota out wide jota picked up a knock here so He's back on the IR for a little bit. Um, going to give Nguyen as a start now at that nine roll. But yeah, I was I don't I don't know. I was surprised that City didn't get any goals, like you said. Um, this game was so intense. The the flare ups. Klopp got a red card. Yeah, um, good. Fuck that guy. He is a fraud. <laughs> why? Just think he's a fraud. I mean, they spend him and him and Pep spend Pep's a fraud too. They they spend hours each week sucking each other's dicks. It just it happens every week, and right. there was some of that leading up to this game. And then they're both so fucking upset. They're they're doing theatrics on the sideline. It, it's fraudulent. Yeah. It, it really is. It's all a show. Yeah, but it feeds into the crowd, and he get he yeah. knows. It. I think Klopp knows in the back of his mind if he gets animated, the crowd gets into it, and the players feed off of it. I think it's all, I think it's all sportsman or a gamesmanship in a way, just to get things going in yeah. the mind. Um, as soon as that goal went in, it was an error from Cancelo getting turned by Salah there. Um, the I, that the camera was literally shaking. It was yeah. insane. The just the amount of energy that everybody had. I'm surprised the stand didn't collapse. Um, but yeah, I mean, massive three points. Does this does this put Liverpool back in the hunt? Um, no, probably not. Um, I mean, the hunt for the title. Just, to, I, I guess, just to get back in that top four. No, definitely. Yeah, definitely, they can get back in the top four. I think but they're a better Klopp's team. Already said they that they're too far away from City and Arsenal to to challenge for a title. That's another fraudulent statement by him. It's the same bullshit he does all the time. It's like 
he says, oh, no, we're, you know, we're not that good. I don't know if it's sarcastic or what, but, like, do you know how, how hard? Like, obviously you do know. You watched all of last season. They chased City down. They were behind, like, 15 points. They chased yeah, they them were. down. It's totally mm-hmm. possible. It's it's we're not even a third of the way through the season. They're ten points behind, and City are showing. You know they do have some cracks defensively. Like I, yeah, that that's such bullshit. Um, and the fact that he's not mentioning Arsenal, who are playing like just lights out, ev- good everywhere. Also annoying. Show a little bit of respect. Um, no, yeah, they lost it, to him this year. Yeah, of course. It, it's not. It's not too late. They can one hundred percent challenge. They can totally challenge. They're definitely going to break into the top four. They played good in this game, really good. And I think I think we're going to see a better Mo Salah if they're going to continue to play him at the striker role, which is where he belongs because he is a talented, straight up striker. Then. They'll, they'll, they will crack themselves back into a contending position. I don't have any sort of worries about them. They're better than United. They're better than Newcastle. They're probably better than Chelsea on their day. It's totally possible. Um, that's just like you mentioned the gamesmanship. It's just more media feeding bullshit. That They'll be fine. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. That is the recap for... The weekend games, we're going to jump right in here quick. We're already at an hour. This has been a long one. I, I do I do love the, the midweek previews and the, the weekend. When it's fresh, we get right in on Monday and record it. it is, it's crisp. It's good. Yeah, and then the games start tomorrow. Yeah, so we'll have plenty to uh, lose money on. Brighton versus Nottingham Forest. Uh, oh, boy. Brighton, the heavy favorite in this one. They're at home. I like Brighton against Nottingham Forest. They got to bounce back after that disappointing defeat last week against Brentford. This is a really good spot for them, and I think they win this game pretty easily. Yeah, Zach's going with Brighton as well. Um, Brighton's a bit of a bogey team for all of us. We just can't seem to get things right with them. Forest definitely are a team that can fight in these games. I wouldn't look past them too far here. Um, I definitely can see a bit of both teams' score here, but I think... I just I just can't go against them. I gotta go with Brighton again. Even after all that talk saying they're they're downward spiral and this is the time of the year, so um you know what? I'm just gonna go with a draw. I'm gonna pick a draw here. Okay. I'll we change have... my mind. All right. Crystal Palace against Wolves. Ugh. Uh this one kinda stinks. Wolves got a win last week. Palace got a draw. I think Palace are just so much more threatening offensively. Wolves are in a terrible spot in the table. They haven't shown me anything offensively. I think Palace win. I can see it being like a 1-0 maybe or a 2-1. Um, yeah, I don't know. This game is kind of ugly. It kind of stinks. I can't see it being a draw. There's just too much that Palace can do to exploit Wolves. So I'm going to go with them and, and hope that it, it pans out for me. Yeah, Zach's agreeing again with you. He's going with Palace. Um, Wolves have failed to score in their last four-way matches, as well as Palace have kept three clean sheets in their last three matches against Wolves. Wolves have failed, have lost five of their last six away matches, and Palace have won their last three matches against Wolves in all comps. I think I'm going to go with a sweep here. I'll go with Palace with you guys. Um, even last week, I, I I picked them to draw Leicester, but they were still in that game, and I think this is one where they can nick it, especially at home. Okay. Um, Arsenal City was postponed. We have Bournemouth versus Southampton up next. That game is on Wednesday at two thirty. Yikes! Um, tricky, tricky, tricky. Bournemouth look good up top. They're getting goals from from all over. Lerma's been good. He's playing a little bit deeper now. Philip Billing and, and Solanke both firing. Uh, I think I'm going to take a flyer on Bournemouth. This game screams draw to me, but I'm I'm going to take Bournemouth. This could go any of three ways. It really could. Yeah, I think we're slowly starting to... We're slowly starting to jump on that Bournemouth train. I did last week with that draw, and it worked out for me. Zach's going to go with a draw here. He doesn't see anything between the two. Um, I definitely lean more towards with you on the Bournemouth side. Um, the last time these guys played in the top flight was the 1920 year, and the team split results 3 1 to Bournemouth and 2 0 to Southampton. Um, Southampton have lost six of their last seven away games. Uh, 
as well as they failed to score in their last three away matches. Bournemouth are undefeated in their last six, but Southampton are undefeated in their last five away matches against Bournemouth. So I think I'm going to go with Zach here. I'm going to go with another draw. Okay. Liverpool versus West Ham up next. I will never forget when I picked West Ham to beat Liverpool last year. I knew it with a true amount of certainty in my heart that they'd be able to do it, but I cannot go with West Ham uh, this season. I just can't take them against the Liverpool team who had a great result last week. I do think West Ham could stay in the game, but I think if Liverpool keeps Salah up top that they'll just be able to outmatch West Ham. So I'm going to take Liverpool. I know they're the heavy favorite. It could be a stranger game than some people may think, but... I, I do think Liverpool are, are considerably better. Yeah. Um, Zoom is recovering. Either, by the way. Yeah, true. I'm going to go with Lenders there. He's yeah. be carrying the book. Um, Zuma is recovering from illness, so he'll be a game-time decision, as well as Craig Dawson picked up a dead leg in Europa in a conference league game earlier in the week. I would think they'll both be available. Ogbon is definitely going to be out. So defensively, they're going to be a bit out of the way, and I think that'd be perfect for Liverpool. But no Jota, no, no, um, who was that I saw? I can't remember on the top of my head. Um, no Diaz, sorry. So I go Firmino, Nunes, and Salah there. I think that's enough to get the job done. So I'll go with Liverpool as well. Yeah. And then Zach as well, go with Liverpool. Okay, so a clean sweep there for Liverpool. Uh, Brentford-Chelsea up next. Mm, could be an interesting spot for Brentford. Chelsea have been known this season to let down in some pretty easy spots, but I do think Chelsea uh, have the advantage here. I'm hoping we don't see Sterling playing at wingback again, but the odds are that we probably will. He's got to be further up the pitch, like Matt mentioned. I I totally agree with that. Chelsea are in fourth right now. This uh, catapults them a little bit closer to Tottenham if they can get a result and Tottenham falter. So I'm going to take Chelsea. I think they know they got to get some points here. Um, and maybe maybe we'll see Aubameyang actually play in this one. Yeah, it's saying Thiago Silva is dealing with a bit of hamstring soreness after the, the, the Villa game, so he may be rested here, which will be a bit concerning, putting Koulibaly and Chaloba back there with Kukurela potentially or Aspi. So a um, bit of squad rotation there. I think we'll see Gallagher definitely get a start here. I definitely like him in a matchup like this. We need to be aggressive against the team like Brentford who can be a bit wishy-washy at times you don't know which one you're going to get you're going to get the team that that sits back a bit or the team that um, is quick on the counter so I'd like to believe the the latter Um, it's going to be an aggressive game but I got to back the boys and sadly Zach is going with Chelsea as well so I'm praying he gets his first one right with Brentford this year okay um, up next, Newcastle versus Everton. Newcastle, the odds-on favorite in this one. I think that's right. Newcastle much better offensively. I think they were able to break Everton down. I know Everton had a decent showing against Tottenham defensively, but Newcastle are really, really, really dynamic up top, and they get goals from pretty much everywhere. So I'm going to take them. I think this is a, a Miguel Almiron masterclass, which is bizarre to say, but uh, I'm feeling it. <laughs> I love to hear that. That's awesome. <laughs> Um, that'd be something. Yeah, still no St. Max, no Isak. It's saying that Share is a game-time decision. We saw him take two knocks to the head in this game. Um, so, bit issue there. But we did see a positive in Jamal LaSalle's former club captain um, come back. So, he's back in the rotation for them. Gives them more depth in the back. So, it'll be close. Everton's definitely going to battle in this game. Um, their midfield was non-existence against Spurs. Wobi did terrible for me in fantasy, so hopefully he can get going again. But I think I am gonna. I think I'm gonna go with a draw here. I'll go with a draw. Yeah. Okay. Uh, United. You versus... said you're going Newcastle. Sorry. Yeah, I, I am gonna go with Newcastle. Yep. Okay. Uh, United versus Tottenham up next. Man, interesting one. United are actually the favorite in this. I have never seen a game that has screamed draw louder than this. I just cannot see either of these teams breaking a deadlock. I know United have not been, like, tremendous defensively. Tottenham really haven't been either. Um, But I think... Well, wait, is Emerson Royale back? He should be. I think that last one was Well, that makes me want to take United because that guy is a fucking liability. 
Nope, sorry. This will be his last one he'll miss. Okay, sorry. draw then. We're gonna stick with draw. Um yeah, I don't see I don't see there being a goal that, that differentiates these teams. It could definitely be one one, but I bet you a nil nil um is like it could it could very well happen. I don't think Tottenham get enough goals out of their front three. They should definitely be scoring more with Son, Kane, and Richarlison, but they aren't. Richarlison's not been great in uh, in the Prem. And same thing with United. I mean, it's it's really come down to, to Anthony to be their, their goal-scoring threat. He's the guy that's going to differentiate up top, and he hasn't really done that consistently yet. So I am, uh, I'm going to take a draw on this one. I, I like a 1-1 here. I, I just don't, I don't see either of these teams... Um, getting three points. Yeah, Zach's going with United here. Obviously, he's going to back them. Um, in this match, though, Spurs are undefeated in 15 of the last 16, while United are undefeated in 12 of their last 13 home matches. Um, it's at Old Trafford. Manu have won their last three matches against Spurs in all comps, and sc- they've scored at least three goals in their last three meetings against Tottenham. So it should be an open game. But I think I'm going to go the the third choice here. I'm going to go with Spurs on the road. I think this is a big match for Conte here against a a bit of an up team right now in United. They had a bit of a setback with City, but um, they've been rallying since. But I think United or Spurs, sorry, is in that upper echelon right now, and I think Harry Kane definitely is going to be a bit of an issue there for Martinez. Yeah. Okay. Um, we have two games. I- Yes, Fulham versus Villa and City versus Leeds. Fulham versus Villa, this game's at Craven Cottage, a home game for Fulham. Love them in this spot to upset Aston Villa. Villa are just not the team that I think they probably could be. Fulham are overperforming when we look at their their expectations prior to the season. I'm going to take Fulham in this one. Villa are the favorite, and I think Fulham get a win at home. Love a Mitrovic goal. He's he really is the the key piece there. Yeah, if they have more issues in the back like they did against Chelsea, I think Fulham will definitely be feasting. But with the way they played and controlled that game against Chelsea, I think that's very strong against Fulham here. I think I'm gonna go with Villa, um, and then Zach's gonna go with a draw here. So again, we're going split three ways. Okay, and then Leeds versus. Leicester is our last game of the week. Leicester, the odds on favorite. Leeds are, of course, in 15th on nine points. Leicester are in 19th on five. It is baffling to me that Leicester are the favorite here. I'm taking Leeds. We might be due for a Brendan Aronson masterclass. Definitely. It's definitely on track, um, especially in this game. That that uh, back line is definitely a, a prime target on uh, Leeds' mind, I'd say. Um, no Johnny Evans still, so um, he, he is expected potentially to make his return in this game, but is questionable. So if it's a Marte and Faze back there, I think they're definitely going to feast with Rodrigo at striker. You have to remember James Madison is suspended for this game after picking up his fifth yellow card, so they will be lacking heavily going forward. No Ndidi um, signs all point towards Leeds in my my eyes, so... I think I'm going to agree with you there. I'm going to back Leeds as well. Okay. And then Zach, Zach's going to go with a draw. All right. Cool. Uh, that is everything. That's one episode down for the week. Um, I have two more episodes that I need to film this week. So um, I guess we'll probably do a regular show on Wednesday. Be... No, 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 no. It'll have, have to be have to Friday. Be, it'll have to be Friday because the games don't start until Saturday. So, yeah. um, okay, we'll push uh, We'll push the episode until Friday. NFL show should be out Wednesday or Thursday, probably Thursday. Um, then you guys will have all your content for the week. So thank you for listening to this one. Thanks for, uh, you know, Maybe heeding our our advice on the picks. Hopefully, we're a little bit hotter this week than they were than we were last week. Um, I I gotta count the NFL picks too. I, I it's another another week where <laughs> I just don't think it was that good. But uh, I'll see. I'll New York teams. Yeah, the New York teams. I don't know. I faded both of them. It was it was. I took the Jets over the Packers. <sighs> you take them on the the money line, or you take them to cover? Oh no, it was just like straight up. Oh okay. Um, I don't know. It's been weird, really weird. The NFL is strange this year. NFC beast. 
NFC Beast. 6-0 for the birds. Okay. Um, oh, wait, quickly, before the episode, uh, before we close the episode out, I was I was at um, game four of the yes, NLDS. Phil. Dude, crazy. Craziest Electric. sporting event I've ever been at. I've been on a lot of really good games. That was fucking insane. And to, to see Bryce Harper go yard after I met him a couple months prior and he was still in the sling... Uh, I screamed like a little girl. It was it was crazy. I did the full sweep uh, this week in terms of in terms of fans in terms of fandom. Arsenal won, the Eagles won, the Phillies won, and then the Sixers play Tuesday. So I'm gonna put some coin on them to win too. They play the Celtics. Um, yeah, I mean what a, what an experience. If you guys get a chance, you know, if, if any of your teams are still in, uh, Kyle, I know you're listening. It, it blows my mind that the Mets couldn't even get out of the wild card. Um, but yeah, it was it was crazy, man. What what an experience that was. Uh, anyway, thanks for listening, guys. Make sure you check us out on social media at Post Twenty Podcast or Post Twenty Pod rather. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find all past episodes of the show on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Um, and until Friday or Wednesday or Thursday, if you listen to the NFL show. We'll uh, we'll talk to you later. All right, take care, guys. Thanks.